Hey folks, just a quick warning here at the top of the podcast. As you can probably guess, but may not know for certain, this review podcast for Final Fantasy VII Remake will include spoilers for the game that mostly focuses on character beats and sort of personality things that were adjusted for this remake that weren't in the original Final Fantasy VII. We mostly avoid spoiler topics for like big story beats, like main plot stuff, but obviously a lot of that stuff is going to be stuff that you probably already know from 23 years of video games and being on GameFAQs and whatever anyway. But just in case you were absolutely trying to avoid any spoilers whatsoever, that's not what you're going to get here. Uh, Especially towards the very, very, very end of the podcast, we really lay out one specific character plot beat that uh, is very specific and very, uh, not super, super late in the game, but like late enough that you might want to avoid that. So if you want to avoid absolutely everything, probably don't listen in on this one. If you want to avoid the biggest thing, just maybe tune out towards the last like 10 minutes or so and if you don't care either way about those things then enjoy the show Hello everybody and welcome back to yet another special episode of FanWith. It is another review podcast here for fanbyte.com. I am managing editor Steven Strum and I am joined once again. I think probably this is the longest running pair for these review podcasts that we've been doing so far. Yeah. Certainly yeah, yeah, certainly the original pair. Uh, that is the voice of John Warren, head of media at fanbyte.com. Here to talk That's to me. Today. I, I'm good. I, I need to take a shower. I smell like uh, Mako, so Ooh. I need to yeah need to hop in the shower right after this pod. But yeah, yeah that that smell does not come out easy. You need to, it like, does not real real body wash for that stuff. Like but that's yeah. bar soap territory. That's bar soap. You really got to get a loofah and scrub it because mm-hmm. you can't just get like Old Spice, uh, Buckthorn Man body wash or whatever the <laughs> fuck. Yeah, you need and, those uh, scent elves to shoot their like man lasers at you <laughs> yeah you really you really do need that i am shocked honestly this is such a bad first thing to point out i'm Ooh. shocked that final fantasy 7 did not like they they went for the butterfinger uh tie-in which is right. very strange which is just like the ad on instagram just says buy butterfinger which i think is hilarious i'm surprised they didn't do like a bright green old spice mako body wash or something mm-hmm, mm-hmm. anyway Well, anyway, if people can't guess already, uh, we are here to review one Final Fantasy VII Remake, and it is just called Final Fantasy VII Remake. It is. It's uh, the Resident Evil one that we just did earlier this week. I kept having to bounce back and forth. Well, the website says Resident Evil 3, but people (laughs) need to know that it's the remake, and technically the original game is called Resident Evil 3 Nemesis, but this capital R remake in the title of Final Fantasy VII here. Yeah, Um, it's right there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we've had a good chance to play the game ourselves now. John, you've beaten it, haven't you? I've gotten very close. I've okay. gotten very, 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 very close. I've I've watched people beat it because we did not get it in time for uh, embargo stuff, which is fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we I've been running through it really, really, really aggressively. But I am uh, right there near the end, but not not all the way through chapter eighteen. Okay, but but uh, considerably more than me. Who I just yeah. um, you've had it for you had it early 
not as early as some folks, but definitely before release. And I, yeah, yeah, I've had it all week. So I've got, I've gotten to spend a lot of time with it and it's, uh, it's, it is honestly the, the, the first thing I'll really go into is just how buck wild it is to be playing this again, just kind of this reimagined, uh, revisualized, lovingly crafted, uh, remake. It could have so easily been this kind of cash grabby, let's update some assets, let's update aspects of it, but let's not go full throttle. And they went, they went all in on really remaking this. It, it feels like, it feels like the next big numbered Final Fantasy that they were going to do, if that makes sense. It yeah. doesn't just feel like a a stopgap in between 15 and whatever 16 might look like. It kind of maybe feels like this is the way forward for that core Final Fantasy team for a while. Um, right. And it's pretty cool. Yeah, so far, like, that's actually really interesting that you mentioned that because I haven't had a lot of opportunity. I've only had it since... Um, release i've had it since yeah. last night so most of what i have seen is probably combat and mechanics yeah uh, rather than story yep yeah and they, they they definitely pour on the combat and mechanical stuff uh early and oh, often yeah. yeah and i think that makes sense because it's definitely doing a lot here and mm -hmm. a lot of that stuff to kind of further your point from a minute ago feels like a very obvious progression of the last three numbered final fantasies there's a lot of final fantasy 13 in here there's a lot of 15 yeah. in here and there's a yeah. little bit even of 14 in here yeah um in terms of like how different characters have different mechanics like tifa in particular i think has like that her whole chi mechanic feels like it's straight out of like playing the monk in final fantasy 14 yeah um, i'm kind of curious yeah, I, what you think of that yeah, I was I was gonna say I think I think it's really fascinating because in in the original game and for folks I'm so interested in both camps the folks that are first timers and also the folks that are returning to this game for the first time in you know maybe you know twenty plus years but in in the original it's a turn based battle system you are just controlling one character at a time and they're really a blank slate I mean right. they have. They have particular strengths that they level up into, but you can basically manipulate those things through the use of materia and items and equipment to basically just create kind of a party of whatever you want. And um, mechanically, you can basically just you know assign any sort of ability to any uh, character, and the only real differences were maybe mechanical limit breaks. Yeah. Um, and that was really the only thing that set them apart from kind of, you know, out of the box. And in Final Fantasy VII Remake, each character really does have a defined set of abilities and strengths that you have to leverage in concert. Otherwise, it's going to be difficult to to defeat these enemies on normal mode. We can get into some of the battle mode stuff in a second because I definitely have thoughts about how they've how those things work. But like, mm. if we're just talking about the normal mode, um, having you know Barrett really be a person who you know if it, distance didn't really matter in the original, you had basically rows where everyone on the front lines was doing melee damage to the same amount. But if you move someone back. They would take less melee damage, but could also uh, they would also do less damage with a melee attack. But Barrett was someone who could do 
uh, range damage uh, at you know for any amount from either the front row or back row, and they've basically expanded that to hey, there are enemies in this game that are just straight up out of reach, and right. unless you're hitting them with magic attacks, which take a while to charge up, you really ought to switch over to Barrett and maximize his ranged attack stuff. And yeah, like Tifa's got this kind of chi system, and Aerith has her own set of uh abilities everyone has a uh an ability essentially mapped to the triangle button which kind of changes the way they operate and in cloud standpoint and i think for the most part people will be controlling cloud for the majority of this game um you know the game game constantly whenever you are out of combat switches you back to cloud so you're always starting to cloud yeah it's a little annoying honestly it's a little annoying i think it's very annoying actually in fact uh, I was doing like a deep dive yesterday because I, I hadn't done this before, trying to figure out if you could basically change that. Because you you can change things like, hey, your cursor doesn't necessarily resort you know, revert back to uh, the default at a battle. You could basically say, hey, go back to where I was uh, when mm-hmm. I go back to battle because I like to do a certain thing first. Um, you can do that. You've always really been able to do that in Final Fantasy games, but you can't. You can't say, "Hey, I want to start with Tifa for most battles," or right. "I want to start with the last character that I, I ended the battle with." You always start with Cloud. So, Cloud's ability is basically he can dodge, block, uh, attack pretty aggressively, like you know, with with his normal mode. But his fancy mode, which is Punisher mode, is he basically becomes like uh, effectively. Uh, immobile he doesn't move very fast no, but he yeah. can he can you know pummel with melee attacks in in quick succession so everyone has the kind of a strategic purpose now which feels a little bit more like uh maybe final fantasy 9 in a way where yeah. every character kind of has a uh, a defined kind of role in battles and you really have to mix and match a lot of this stuff especially with some of the more difficult battles or you're you're either going to have a micromanaging kind of healing slog or you're going to lose a lot of battles because it's not a super easy game especially when you get it into some of the uh the bigger skirmishes at least not on normal no 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 and and uh, that's what i would say is that we get into the battle difficulty stuff a, a little bit because you can right off the bat change the difficulty of the game from normal to easy to classic and the differences between those are are fairly subtle, but um, it, you know, with when you go down to easy mode, it doesn't change really anything mechanically with the game. It just makes you hit harder, and it has the enemies basically maybe not as smart. They're not really going through like unpredictable AI cycles. They seem to just be. But I actually don't know if that's actually what's happening, or if they're just punishing these enemies too too fast for them to even go through their ai cycles it's kind of difficult to say because the punishment in this oh sorry go ahead i was just going to say that i think the the one gripe i have from normal to easy is that that gap is huge to me yeah because when you go to easy i i think i got into a critical state in easy mode once after playing it for i don't know seven hours right um on easy and I only changed easy because I was dealing with one battle that was very, very frustrating. And I, I can get into that, but it's not that important. But it was it was a it was a battle where there were ranged enemies and also really, really powerful 
uh, close range melee enemies. And it just became such a like war of attrition that I was like, you know what? I really want to get through this battle and move on. Mm -hmm. And so I stay there with easy for hours just to kind of play through it and test it. And it is very easy to play yeah. on easy mode. So. It seems like a little bit of discourse is the easy mode versus no easy mode discourse is rearing its ugly head once yeah. again in video games as because yeah. of this game. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I, I am not a judge. Like, I, I, I switched The Witcher three to like easy mode within, oh, I yeah. think, an hour because I, I really didn't want to do a lot of like potion micromanagement. I yeah. just didn't. Um, even though I know that's like, you know, uh, purists of that game are, are uh, clutching their pearls right now, but like, <laughs> that's just not, that's just not what I want from, from my, my battle system with, with FF seven remake. I really found myself in, uh, you know, I, when that, when that battle mode really sings and you're, you're feeling like you have the kind of time to switch deftly between characters and kind of manage their abilities and and do things in concert like the normal mode is really fun and i've had a blast playing some kind of like high level battles in normal mode but there are also skirmishes that just it seemed uh punitive to a degree where easy mode uh was the the option i chose to kind of get around that but it it made it way too easy so there's right. almost kind of something I wish was in between those two modes, but and, and it is there. such an odd thing because there is no it. The difficulty, like you said, goes classic, easy, normal, and classic is kind of its own weird thing. That, but it's yeah. also an easy mode, yeah, and then easy, and then normal, and there's nothing above normal. There's not like the game wasn't tuned to have like this middle ground between easy and normal, and well, I feel like almost they could have just done easy and then make normal hard and then put something in between yeah so spoilers for in game is that there actually is a hard mode <laughs> oh yeah i figured there probably and would be and eventually. and that's and that's interesting because i don't really understand why that's not out of the box because right. you know hard mode probably should be normal mode plus maybe 35 percent i would say maybe mm -hmm. even more but like normal mode maybe should be about 10 percent less of what it is sometimes right. and and easy mode is fine being that easy but i really feel like maybe normal mode is is such a departure from uh the original just in the sense of hey if returning folks are coming back to this and they want an experience that uh, it's not exactly like it, but maybe has the same difficulty curve. Normal should probably be a little bit easier, but yeah. it's it's you know it's it's an action based thing. When it works, it really works. I've had a blast with it. Um, kind of a mechanic that's pretty important to keep track of is like enemy stagger, yes. uh, which is not a new concept to, to RPGs, even JRPGs. Oh. But like that's it is new. right out of Final Fantasy Thirteen. That's exactly. like a huge thing in that game. Yeah, and and it, it's uh, to to give uh, uh, props to Final Fantasy Thirteen, my least favorite uh, of <laughs> the numbered series. Um, I thought the battle system of that game, when it worked, it really, really, really worked. Oh, yes, yeah. that's it, the it was, saving grace. A of lot 13. of fun. Yeah, and yeah. thirteen two like just builds on a lot of that same stuff too. So yeah, I definitely and, agree on that. And 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 it's a lot of fun. Like you know, you can you know you have attacks that basically raise a pressure meter, and when an enemy is pressured, you can kind of hit them with 
uh, attacks to kind of, uh, you know, increase that meter, but they still have their full suite of AI available to them. So they can kind of uh, react to your aggression. And it's that's a really good push and pull. They can and like you pin you down and hold individual party members in place. So yeah. you like maybe lose access to some yep. of the old standby stuff and then on the bright side you can switch on the fly to who you're controlling just yes. one button press which is like i'm i'm early in the game still i'm in the sector seven slums which has like a ton of um little encounters as you, they unlock um side quests for you yeah and that becomes like a huge thing of just like well cloud is being pinned down by this like weird bug and I can't use punisher mode so i'll get tifa really quick and one of the nice things about tifa is that even as a kind of physically focused fighter, she's super, super fast. Yeah. Way faster than even Cloud's, like, normal mode is. Yeah, And yeah. She, she just closes that distance immediately and can start just pummeling. If an enemy is focused on Cloud because it's pinning him down, she's just, like, building a meter, building a meter, building a meter, casting right. spells quickly and getting out again. And if she knocks that enemy off, I can switch back to Cloud if I want, and suddenly she's got a limit break or whatever it is she needs to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it, when it works, it really works. And like staggering enemy feels really good, especially like a big boss, because then, you know, especially if you built up your limit break meter and, and stuff like that, you can, you can just hit them for massive, massive damage, which is, which is a lot of fun. So it, it's a cool battle system. Classic is such a bizarre choice to me. And, and this, this is where I start to look at some of the decisions that they made. And I'll get into maybe a couple of the big ones they make without getting into spoiler territory later. But, um, but like, the classic mode is basically, if in their words, a way to kind of close the gap between folks that uh, want something more like the, the traditional Final Fantasy VII battle system and kind of, you know, like easing into something that's more action oriented. But really, all it does, all it does, is the AI companion behavior that your non-controlled characters uh, are always using. It just turns it on for whoever you're controlling. So you can basically like take your hands off the controller and it'll attack, it'll evade, it'll guard. Uh, but it really, you really won't do anything else. Like you won't, like it's not super smart. Like if you, if you're in normal mode, you will figure out pretty early on that like, your, your AI companions are helpful in the sense that they're always kind of doing damage and they are reacting to things, I guess, pretty smartly, but it, it's not great AI. Like, it's not, they're not being super smart and you can't fine tune that behavior like you could in, uh, like, Final Fantasy twelve with, like, the Gambit system. Yeah. You know, assigning them specific behaviors uh, when things get, get rough. Now, you can... In normal mode, it, well, you can in every mode, but in normal mode, I think what I would recommend if you don't like switching between characters a lot and you're having trouble maybe kind of managing that, first of all, you should probably get good at that, which is not super helpful advice, but that's the best advice I could I could really provide. Um, but another piece is that there's materia that basically assigns uh AI behaviors to your to your non-controlled companions. So right. if you're having some issues with like how smart your companions are while you're not controlling them, you can do some things to basically uh, bridge that gap. But ultimately, like classic mode doesn't make a lot of sense to me because you can always just reclaim control over your uh, controlled character, and so it's just it, it's kind of an odd. I almost want to say half-baked kind of thing. It feels like a thing that they decided late in development, hey, we could just turn on Cloud's AI 
and have you sit back and just sit there and do commands when the ATB meter meter feel, fills, right. and there there it is. So it's it, I, I don't know. It's kind of strange. It it feels just misnamed to me. Like it doesn't. Yeah. When yeah. I think classic, what I think is just like oh, turn you're going based. to turn based. It's or yeah. ATB. And it is ATB, and I think that that is just maybe where a philosophical, excuse me, a philosophical split exists between, like, what Square Enix has long considered to be the defining feature of Final Fantasy and what I think to be the defining features of Final Fantasy, which I think they are, I think for the past, like, 25 years, they have been just trying to figure out ways to make ATB and Active Time Battle, like, work and in an action context yeah yeah and in an almost slavish way sometimes yeah that has never been the thing i care about necessarily in you know from chrono trigger to final fantasy 9 that has never been the thing i care about like obviously there was a major departure in 10 and 11 was an mmo but yeah 12 returned to that you know and, and I and I think uh, to, to your point, like I, I almost think Tins very very turn based system uh, had had such a uh, a deep success in my mind that mm-hmm. I'm shocked they never kind of went back to it. But, oh right, exactly. But this is but the, yeah, you're exactly right. They they've really really gone all in on saying like. Yeah, okay, like, we've got the ATB meter, so it's that Final Fantasy VII you know and love, and I'm kind of thinking they didn't have to do a whole lot to basically just remove that from the equation and still make this basically the system that it is. But still, you know, there's there's kind of management of the ATB stuff that you can do. There's even materia and accessories that you can get that basically boost your ATB meter. So like there is kind of management of the, of the meter that you can do that makes the, uh, the system a little more dynamic, but yeah, like classic mode seems uh, like misnamed, just flat out misnamed to me. So just know that going in that it's not going to drastically change. And also a lot of folks have asked me, uh, when I've been playing it or talking about it, like, oh, man, wow, it seems like you can't play uh, classic mode on normal. Yeah. And that's because the AI is not good enough to do that. I really don't yeah. think. Like, I think you're going to get a bunch of game overs if the AI of the enemies is kind of where it is in normal and where the AI companion stuff is for your player characters. Like, it's just not... It's not on an even playing field. It's not built to kind of auto battle like that. So... Right. I mean, um, and that, yeah. that's I that's I think the root of why uh, classic is so misnamed is because yeah. I don't think they either had the time or the interest in making a mode that completely strips out the need for those moment to moment like mashing square, holding block, evading that stuff. It's, they made that automated instead of building out a mode where the only thing that matters is the ATB gauge. In which case, that would have felt like okay. ATB is not the thing that I particularly care about, but this at least to me seems like a classic mode thing. Like, ah, yes, the ATB gauge fills as characters are walking around each other, very similar to like a Final Fantasy XII. If they just basically recreated Final Fantasy XII combat and let you switch between characters on the fly like that and simplified out the gambit system into the way that they have, like that would have been like, okay, this is something that I can think of as as a classic mode, but it, it... 
doesn't because it still has all of the like moment to moment stuff because yeah. I'm sure it would have just been too much work and too much money and too much time to make that mode balanced in any other way. So what they did instead was found the middle ground, I guess, yeah. uh, which is to just like make it bone easy, <laughs> like, yeah. which is fine. It, like it's, it's, it's fine. I, I just don't know. I don't think I really, after, after playing classic for, I don't know, four hours in my playthrough and easy for seven and, and, you know, uh, normal for basically the, the other 20 or whatever. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know who classic is for really. Right. It's not for old fans. It's, it's just not, it, I don't, I, I, as someone who loved the battle system of those older games, even though it, it got kind of old after a while, like it, it doesn't resemble it really. So yeah. it's, yeah, I, I would, I would skip it. I would not go into this play playthrough for the first time expecting that that's going to be what you, what you want to do just from, from where I sit. Uh, do you want to move on from yeah. mechanics stuff and maybe talk a little bit about the story? Because I think that's going to be one sure. of the biggest questions on people's minds. Yeah, of course. Is, yeah. What's different? Yeah, I I think I, I so far I think I think in the early going at least, uh, and it definitely goes off the rails toward the end a little bit. So we can get into that without. I can get into that without spoiler territory, but I definitely think in a week or two we should do a big spoiler cast with the folks who played it because. Mm. I've got some like serious questions about where they're going with this, but uh, they've said it a few times. It's it's very clear now. You are basically only spending your entire playthrough of this game in Midgar, which in the old version takes maybe five hours to get through, and right. a lot a lot of stuff does happen. And um, there, but there's not a lot of wasted motion. You're basically going from major event to major event to major event, and then you leave. And Final Fantasy VII Remake takes uh, takes those big moments and then spaces them out with stuff in between that either straight up didn't happen in the original or was maybe a screen's worth of activity in the original. So um, the best the the best example I can give of something that I think worked really well for me uh, in that vein is uh you you blow up the sector five reactor which is something that you do in the original and you uh you basically botch your escape and you fall and you crash through uh the ceiling of a church and that's really the first time that you uh have a conversation with Aerith, and uh you you do meet her really early on and buy a flower from her and there's you know there's kind of an a, an extended scene there that wasn't in the original but for the most part you don't really hang out with Aerith until you crash through the roof of this church and hang out with her. And that's that's in the original. And basically, in the original game, you go through a couple screens, you get back to her house uh, in the Sector 5 slums, you meet her mom, uh, you have a couple conversations, and then her mom basically says, like, hey, uh, in the middle of the night, I need you to basically bail. And when you right. bail, uh, you know, like there's another screen and some other stuff happens and then you move on to the next major event in this it takes game, like two minutes it really. takes like two minutes it's really not a very long thing but Aerith is such a, an important part of the um i think the collective consciousness of final fantasy 7 more than she is actually a big part of the first part of this game originally yeah. um really she's 
kind of a damsel and a weird kind of almost non-personality character in Midgar. She's more of an object of possession between Shinra and the Turks and, and you and Avalanche and stuff like that. And it's not, she hasn't given a whole lot of personality. In this game, you crash through the, the ceiling of the church. You kind of rescue her from a, a bad situation. And then your, your journey back to her slum and back to her house and then later, when you kind of you you basically join her on a a journey from sector five back to sector seven, it's really this kind of lovely bonding experience that takes place over about an hour and an hour and a half, and it gives you the kind of connection that I think they imply should have been there in the original, but maybe right. the localization and the script and all that stuff didn't really let that breathe the way that it should have. And so yeah. Final Fantasy VII in English, famously for people who might be too young to even remember, I guess, yeah. who might be listening to this, terrible, terrible, terrible English localization. Like it was really, yeah. really bad at the time. Like a lot of localizations at the time were very bad, but like for such a, for as big of a cultural impact as Final Fantasy VII had, the gulf between like how it was localized and that is really noteworthy. Yeah. And and I think, uh, first of all, if you want to really check out a lot of that stuff about the localization stuff, Tim Rogers did like a really, really great like series of uh, videos and long explanations over when he was at uh, Kotaku, like to, to go into that in depth, which is a lot of fun. And it, it kind of tells you a lot about like, you know, how uh, Final Fantasy VII kind of got its, uh, I don't know, got its kind of shoddy localization and also how it ended up kind of worming its way into our hearts uh, regardless. But like, there are a lot of things in the Final Fantasy VII Remake that expand things that are implied, whether it's environmental, whether it's uh, a scene, whether it's a conversation, whether it's a battle. Basically, everything is just blown up. And sometimes that really works. And it worked... In, for me, it worked in those quiet moments with Aerith and Cloud to kind of create a a bond between them. Uh, it definitely worked at various times. I think when you kind of meet up with Tifa for the first time, um, you know, you have an apartment in this game, which is totally mm-hmm. different from from the original, and so you have you have kind of a base of operations, which uh, feels very different than cloud being more or less strung along for this like kind of sprint at the beginning of the game that's kind of how it felt in the original whereas this he he feels like midgar is kind of a new home that he's got to get used to and it's it's kind of more interesting in that way um other other areas where i think the game kind of works where it expands things um i think the wall market is one of those areas that i think everyone who loves the original loves the wall market of course is kind of an entertainment district and a nightlife place where there's a there's like a brothel and a bunch of bars and kind of a seedy underbelly of midgar and uh expanding upon that was something that i was very curious to see and it's great it's kind of a cacophony of like sound and light and activity and i think it's uh it's it's a pretty cool space and definitely the the uh activities you do there are expanded and that's very interesting i love that um there are definitely parts that attempt to bridge a gap between two big moments that don't work and those those are fewer than i think the ones that do 
Um, but there are definitely ones that do. I, I feel like the the loop that you find in this game, which is you go to a new kind of area and then you have to, quote, introduce yourself to the locals to like do mercenary right. work. That works not super great for me. I think that that kind of grinds things to a halt and it it kind of shows some of the kind of the all-time kind of worst um almost open world quest design stuff, the Skyrim shit where you can go to an area, explore it thoroughly and then you go talk to someone and they're like this place is overrun with monsters and 2 seconds ago it wasn't. You know, like it's, yeah, it's totally. stuff that like it kind of grinds my gears and it kind of it kind of grinds stuff to a halt. Um, it, it for me, this is actually one of the things I most wanted to talk about on this yeah. from, from stuff that I've seen so far because that is exactly where I'm at. It's like just literally just, just before we finished this uh, or we started this podcast, I just finished the last little bit of the first time that that happens in the Sector 7 slums where yeah. Tifa has her bar. And... I am so torn on it because I think it's I think it's bad. I think the side quests that they put you on are bad. The last one I had to do right now was all right, go into this whole big weird windy area that has a bunch of shortcuts built into it and I did that for one side quest but there was one door that was locked and I couldn't open it up. Uh-huh. And then I had to I had to go back to finish that mission out and then they're like oh okay great you finished that mission now you've unlocked the next mission in that same exact area go talk to this one lady and she'll tell you that there's a key card in a random crate somewhere <laughs> hidden in this entire facility that despite the fact that you broke all those crates when you were just there you have to now go back re-explore the entire huge empty factory yep. that you were just in break all the same boxes that have respawned yep. none of which are marked anywhere on your map so you just have to kind of like poke around until you find boxes it'll be in a random box there grab that now you can open up that last zone that you couldn't open before despite the fact that you've explored this entire area and fight this one mini boss and that is terrible (laughs) it's just really 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 bad bad. at the same time there is a almost element to, of it that reminds me a lot of my favorite part of the original version of uh, Final Fantasy XV before they did, added the expansions and, like, you know, finished that game in the post-release, like, Royal Edition. But um, there is, you know, playing for through Final Fantasy XV, that whole, I don't know, 10-hour early first act where it is just you and your crew rolling around with this free-range motion yeah. in the car eating food, going on monster hunts, and kind of just having this, like, road trip anime thing, and each different monster is a new episode of the show where you're just trying... It's like a samurai shampoo simulator where it's just like, we need to make money (laughs) so we can eat. And then we eat to get XP buffs against these monsters. And I love that loop. This game so wants to brush into that territory but does not have the open space for it and does not have no. the like it, it it throws too much garbage on top of that it, like yeah there isn't that there isn't that downtime of we're just going to sit here and eat our cup noodles because that's all we could afford this week and yeah. we're going to write ourselves a little story around you know, it it's not something you see in a lot of JRPGs, which is like um, emergent storytelling around that stuff how much money you had for the food that you had what camp right. you were at Right. And this instead, like, takes some of that framework and just is like 10 steps back from the best parts of it. Oh, and yeah. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot of steps back from that, I think. And yeah. 
And it's frustrating because there, um, I don't think you've gotten to it yet, but uh, there's there's a part not that long from from where you are where, and it's, it's a brand new part. You're basically going from uh, sector seven to sector five, which is where you're going to do the next bombing. And there's a very, very, very long, I mean, very long, like several hours of basically traveling a treacherous path between you and this next reactor that you have to go hit. And I actually think I, I have not had a, hmm, I haven't had an experience in a JRPG specifically like this in a while where I was on my toes like the entire time because it was always kind of dangerous and you were always doing something and there was always like uh, an obstacle and that was so exhilarating. You were getting a lot of battles Mm. in under your belt and to me having more of those sequences should have been the 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 move instead yeah. of saying like oh you're gonna go back to this hub and like help these people get rid of uh cats that are behind a a shed and they're, <laughs> they're actually bear rats or whatever it's like that there's just stuff that this engine was not made for right. um but first of all have you gotten used to uh shimmying between two narrow things yet and like oh, I've definitely, stuff. I've definitely noticed the Nathan Draken that I'm doing around a lot of these areas. Which I'm sure he's just hiding loads most of the time. Is probably it's what's probably happening. hiding loads, but it is. It never goes away. Yeah, and it's really, and it, and it gets really old. Yeah, I mean, it's there's a lot of stuff like that where, yeah, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you'll you'll basically come to a lot of areas where you have to like duck under something or shimmy between something. And it is almost certainly hiding a load, but yeah. it, it is such a momentum killer with your movement and kind of everything. I, I'm almost wishing that we're... I, I kind of wish we would almost go back to traditional loads when I see stuff like this. But like, sure. There are not um, many traditional loads in this. It's basically between each no. chapter. If, if you're going from like... When you go on the train back from Sector 8 at the very beginning of the game to 7th Heaven, there's right. a very short load there, and that's like the one that's load it. screen I've seen. Yeah. So it's it. There, there are so many cool parts of this game that were not in the original. And the, the path from uh, Sector 7 to Sector 5 that I'm talking about, you, you actually get to explore the underplate. And oh. um, one of the things that... Uh, is very different about this game than the last one is that in in the original there's just eternal night basically for the yeah. slums because uh it's blocking out the sun like the the, the yeah. thing is blocking out the sun what i think is interesting and from a story perspective we can get into this a bit is the shinra is basically built sun lamps on the underplate okay and they're basically there to say hey no, you can still see the sun. Everything's fine. Yeah, like you can still you still have daylight. What are you what What do you have to complain about? And take, take your scraps and be happy with them. Yeah, and like in in a way, there are parts of this game that they've rewritten to make the uh, oppression of Shinra toward the slums even more believable. Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of explore this underplate, and you get to turn off the sun lamps in order to do some stuff and and that kind of stuff like exploring the architecture of this enormous uh dystopian metropolis is 
really breathtaking. Like they, they do put a lot of effort into not recycling a lot of assets, which I think is, you know, what made the game so huge in terms of its file size, but also right. it makes it actually very engaging. Uh, different areas kind of do look different. Uh, oh. Even though everything kind of looks like a scrapyard, there's some different kind of scrapyardy areas that, I, that... go ahead. I, was, I just wanted to say like in, when you're in sector seven, which is where Tifa's bar is, and you look up in the sky and you see the plate and you see the big pillar that kind of holds up the mushroom shape of the underbelly right. of Midgar. It looks so good. It looks in, like the game in, in general looks really, really good. Oh, like, it's just, beautiful. It's a beautiful game. Yeah. Yeah. Cloud climbing down a ladder or whatever. I'm just like looking at the like shading on his muscles or whatever. And he's yep. not like an ultra muscular guy, but there's like a lot of hey, just sinewy. Yeah, yeah, very sinewy kind of dude, and you can just see it as he's moving and stuff like that. It's it's really changing dynamically as he's like moving his arms up and down, and you, the the plate in the background just. And that is actually another thing that I think Final Fantasy fifteen did really well. A lot of the time was create this sense of like overawed, fantastical science fiction, like that, yeah. like science fiction that felt science fictiony. It felt industrial. It felt like almost right. modern day, but also completely unrealistic and beyond anything that would ever be physically possible just by the sheer weight of how much that yeah. weight, uh, that plate would weigh um, on, on Midgar or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a, there, you know, it is still an obviously super fantastical place, but like there is enough world building done to the kind of architecture of this impossible city that you can't help but kind of behold it again. Like, mm -hmm. you know, uh, 20, 20 something, 23 years later, you know, you're, you're looking at diagrams and wireframes in the game and this like crudely animated CG, uh, you know, with the train, like looping around one of the plates and, and you're kind of like, wow, what a, what a interesting design. And they really did a good job of, Kind of giving even returning players like me uh, uh, another another chance to kind of look at this and go, yeah, this was kind of a good design, huh? Like they really yeah. kind of nailed this, and um, and they they kind of take a victory lap, and I don't blame them. Like you know, no, really, no. really allowing you to to explore the nooks and crannies of uh, of this. So anyway, you had actually started this by asking about story stuff. And then I kind of went on a tangent about environmental design and stuff. Hey, but, uh, we, we got to talk about what we want to talk about. That's what that's this is true. for. <laughs> but, uh, but like story wise, the beats are, the beats are pretty similar uh, from the original. And right. um, again, stuff that you remember maybe happening in a conversation or two, it usually expands, and uh, I think the one thing story-wise that I think uh, definitely changes the tone of some of the stuff that happens later is the the rest of your members of Avalanche, which are Wedge, Biggs, and Jesse, they get much, much, much more FaceTime. And, oh, yes. And Even dialogue. as far as I'm in. Yeah, yeah. They get a lot more dialogue. You get to go on kind of missions with them. Um, uh, Jesse, in particular... Uh, she like her character is is vastly expanded upon. Um, she is horny for Cloud and oh does not give a fuck who knows it. God, yeah. Uh, Jesse is is maybe the thirstiest character that they've ever put in a Final Fantasy game, but it's you know Which what? Is, uh, it's fine. You know, 
Honestly, I'm. Relatable. I think it's kind of refreshing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a relatable. B. It's nice to. I'm always kind of um, happy to have like female characters that have like sexual agency in these games or whatever, and are oh, just meant to be ogled, and instead yep. are the ones doing the ogling of like sure. say a cloud or something like that. Who is this pretty boy? And it has always been like a pretty boy in these games, and not pretending that that's not the case. Not pretending yeah. that they didn't design a very good looking character. And, yeah. You know? Yeah, I I almost feel like what they did with Jesse is a reaction to the idea of kind of taking a step back and looking at uh, Tifa's personality and kind of how she interacts with Cloud and an Aerith's personality and how she interacts with Cloud and then kind of going, oh, man, we maybe ought to have like a different kind of dynamic somewhere in yeah. this game because I think enough, like a lot of conversations about Team Aerith, Team Tifa all that stuff like at least kind of making more characters have agency in this game is something that they're putting some work into and even tifa and Aerith, like Aerith has a much 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 more involved uh early kind of uh, uh role in this game and has has a much more defined personality i think than she did in the original game and it's a personality that basically roasts cloud constantly which is oh. great Everybody in this game is constantly giving him shit. Everybody roasts this little, this little quiet, uh, sulky guy. It's great. It feels, and you mentioned this as like Jesse being a reaction to the way that Tifa and Aerith kind of came out at the end of the original game. Right. It it feels almost sometimes like a reaction to the Crisis Core slash Advent Children slash Dirge of Cerberusification of that character and this whole yeah. thing of just like making him like the cool badass like ah oh, i can't be bothered to talk to any of you right now all the time yeah um and he's kind of doing that throughout the beginning of the game like he's I, he feels a lot more like that in this one than i think i remembered him feeling early on in final fantasy 7 and characters are just constantly like giving him shit for it and he is like there are moments where even he like realizes that he has fucked up and like said something a little too edgelordy and he has no good and then they kind of just compl- like very overtly roast him for it and like say like where he's just like um Barrett has this line about how Cloud is like what how what number Cloud is or something like that I forget the exact oh, yeah. phrasing they, of it. They ask him he asks him about his uh his age. He's just trying yeah. to get to know him. Barrett is just literally trying to get to know this guy that he's about to spend a lot of time with and a lot of yeah. money on and he's just trusting like, him yeah like yeah yeah what's what uh, what's your age and you know and cloud goes i was i was soldier rank 20 or whatever the fuck and like it where it's just like i don't care i don't care about your rank what is your age dude like i was asking how about? old you are <laughs> and yeah. then cloud's like uh uh like he there are a lot of moments where cloud is like literally just like going uh and like stumbling over his words as he realizes he has walked into like just making himself sound like a complete dumbass and has yeah. no good response yeah um it, yeah and and i think like um a really 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 good example of that and and some not not really spoilers, but kind of moment spoilers. If you just kind of don't don't want this, I mean that should be obvious by now. You're listening to a review podcast, but like you're you're escorting Aerith uh, through kind of a dangerous area at one point, and you you kind of get her through this like rubble. It's almost like Eco, uh, the game Eco. Mm-hmm. Like you're you're basically doing this like kind of long long form like short Eco area where she's got to do something and you've got to get across and environmental puzzles and stuff like that 
shadow monsters are coming out of the ground and trying um, to pull her down into a hole. More or less, more or less. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but like, you know, you get through one moment and she, she like puts her hands up and she wants cloud to high five her and clouds yeah. clouds just like, Ugh, whatever. And like walks away and then they oh, get through an, and then they get through another moment about, I don't know, 20 minutes later. And Aerith is like, Hey, that was awesome. Way to go. Holds her hands up. Cloud's like, God, you're so immature. Something like that. Walks away. And they get and they get like through an even crazier part of this thing. And like I think Cloud I think like Cloud like mentions like, wow, that was like wild or whatever. And like he pulls Aerith up from something, like from from a, a ledge, and holds his hand up and like immediately thinks better of it and puts his hand down and walks away. And she was like, Oh my God, were you trying to high five me? And like, <laughs> and he's just like, no. And then like, like he, she kind of roasts him for it and he feels obviously bad. And then they finally get through this other, you know, like they get to like a boss battle or something and she kind of runs up ahead, but then stops and then holds her hand up and y'all high five. And it's really, it's really nice. It's like, it's actually breaking down this character that has been made one super iconic but also kind of revised multiple times to yeah. where i would say my idea of who cloud really is is a little bit confused i think they're trying to make a definitive version of him right. in this game and it feels it feels good in in moments so i i liked that moment a lot as I, uh character development i also I, I have very, as, as far as characters that have been, I don't know, revised is maybe not the entirely right word. I have mixed feelings about Barrett in this game. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, which there, there's a whole lot of stuff to talk about there. There's a whole thought about, like, this it, also ties back into the localization and how the original Japanese version of Barrett was not the character that he was in the English localization. But yeah. then the English localization kind of became canon retroactively so now they have gone back and rewritten him as this just constantly yelling boisterous just like ah suck on this like got like right. pro wrestler macho man randy savage motherfucker constantly constantly he has to be yelling yes every time he has no down switch the only down time we ever really see with him is maybe when he's around his daughter or whatever yep. uh marlene and yep. That even still has this undercurrent of like him putting on a show for his daughter a, a little bit, right? And at, at the same time, and you know, and he like as other as actual like black people in video games have pointed out, like they Square Enix does not know how to make a black person's hair. <laughs> like they, um, oh, they really, they really don't. Boy, no. they they showed uh, there were a few close ups of Barrett's. Uh, just a whole whole deal, really, and mm -hmm. you're like, oh wow, they, they, there are so many reference points here that they could have used, and oh yeah, folks and they could have they consulted, and yeah, they just missed. And what they, they, they went missed. with was Brock Lesnar hair, um, yeah, the best possible move. <laughs> yeah, he At does the, look like Brock Lesnar. It's true. He, it's my man, does, my man does have a sword tattoo on on his chest underneath that uh, yeah, vest, no doubt, no doubt. Um, but. The thing I was going to say, though, like, you know, those problems aside with his with the way that they present his personality, I actually really, really love his motivations and goals and sure. ideas for how things need to be done or whatever. 
Um, which I think they do a really good job here. I, I've seen some people worried about this part in particular based on the demo. Yeah. Uh, with, with people talking about how Shinra, basically early on in the prologue of the game, kind of pulls a false flag on Avalanche, the yeah. eco-terrorist group that you belong it's to. It's not the first time they do it either. They, they, I mean, it's not, it's not the last time they do it. Yeah, right, so. I figured. Yeah. Uh, where basically Avalanche blows up a Mako reactor to try and uh, help the planet, which is getting sucked dry by this uh, electric company that runs the world. And they blow it up, and it, it's a very small explosion this time. In the original game, if I'm not mistaken, they just blow that sucker up, and it's just oh, that's it, that. It, and it causes all the damage that basically... Uh, you know, sends sends an area of the city into a, a panic, and I mean, it, yeah. it 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 all. You know, it's kind of like bat. It's kind of like a Batman game where you're like, <laughs> he doesn't want to ever kill anyone, and he says uh-huh. that, but it's just realistically, that this guy's killed like a thousand people. Oh right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And they never really say it, but in the original, they they absolutely kill a lot of people in order to do this. I, and, in my and- opinion. Well, and in this one, we see the aftermath of that devastation, like, in incredible detail. Like, there's yes. people shouting in the streets, They're buildings screaming. destroyed. Right. Yeah. yeah. People people shouting for dead loved ones. You get off that train, and it's people, like, rushing to their loved ones saying, like, hey, hey, I wasn't caught in the, the disaster. Right. It's, it looks like a lot of, you know, especially here living in America, it looks like the aftermath of something like a mass shooting or something like right. that in a lot of ways. Like, people checking yeah. in, sending, you know, calls to their loved yeah. ones to make sure. Um, and the reason that that ends up happening in this one is because Shinra, um, basically self-destructs the facility and blows it all up. Yeah. Uh, and they're, and they're trying to pin it on Avalanche, but in, in working with Wutai, a different country. Right. Like that's, that's, I think the main difference in kind of like, you know, why people are kind of looking at this is like, mm, that's kind of an interesting change, huh? Yeah, it, it adds a lot of intrigue, and it, at the same time, though, what I, what I was really worried about, what I've seen other people express worry about, is, yeah. like, defanging Avalanche and presenting this kind of very moderate, like, Avalanche as, instead of this, like, very <laughs> radical group, transforming them into this very Exist. moderate group. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But they, they walk a really fine line there, I feel like, because while Avalanche doesn't actually cause all the devastation that does end up happening, the first thing that they do once they get out of there is all be like, oh, wow, this is, this is way worse than we thought it was going to be. But like, you know, so yeah. be it. Like, this, right. is, this is the, we signed up for this. This is the thing yeah. that we knew was going to happen. Sacrifices have to be made. We are here to protect the entire planet and our entire species. We are not here to like, stand in the middle and hope that things get better and reach across the aisle and be centrist. In fact, yeah. literally right after the scene, you get onto a train and meet the most centrist ass motherfucker. Who's just like, <laughs> these, these avalanche thugs. They're just, they don't understand that the way you make real change and progress is just by like, you know, working together in unity and like yeah. going through the proper channels and all this stuff. And the Baron and, is and just like, work, and he works for Shinra. He yeah, works for Shinra. He, yeah, his yeah. name is literally Shinra Middle Manager. Is <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. what he's called yeah, on screen. Good. Yeah. And Baron is just like, fuck these people. Like, he literally, yeah, yeah. This guy is like, um, we need to be more moderate. We need to be more sensible. And Barrett literally says, those are fighting words. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, it's, I think they do a really good job of not defanging Avalanche as an organization while at the same time adding more depth to Shinra as a villain, uh, yeah. which is a really smart choice. They, they definitely add a lot of depth to Shinra as a group of uh, like a board of directors that each have their different 
uh, duties and they each have their different personalities and they each have their different expressions of oppression against uh, the lower plate folks. Like they definitely expand upon those in a way that feels, I mean, you know, even Heidegger at some point says, uh, I'm giving Midgar what they need, bread and circus. Like right. you know, they just, they lay it out. It's not, it's not subtle. Um, no. But it doesn't and need to be either. It doesn't need to be. And, like, I, I will tell you this. Like, they, they don't totally defang the avalanche stuff, like, throughout the game. But they they definitely add more wrinkles to it than existed in the old one. So sure. it's, it's maybe less of a defanging and more of a its own members are constantly kind of looking around saying, is this really the right way? Like, Jessie does beat herself up by thinking that she used too much blasting agent and maybe caused a bigger explosion than she did. Tifa is, you learn, someone who is fully capable of going on these missions with the Avalanche and believes in the cause, but doesn't traditionally because she's very upset about hurting people. Like, oh, yeah. You do, you do find these things out that maybe Barrett is the most determined of the group to actually see these things through and Barrett is not upset about the devastation uh, like no. that that's also clear is that like yeah the whole thing blew up and but Barrett's not like man what you know what did we do wrong he's just like oh well you know and go back to base like you know it's like this yeah is not of, even for a second like no, he's like, like if, if you feel bad about this i'm here for you i'm right I will, he I will says, help burden this put shoulder. It on my shoulders yeah, yeah i mean it's it's one of those things where yeah he really is kind of committed to it and i do think that's uh a strength um to it, i was uh, one really quick thing on that yeah, what please. i what i Part of what I like about that is something we don't see a lot of in uh, in terms of nuance in video games that love to express like the imagery and the artifice of rebellion, but don't actually like to like engage with what that Fall really through. looks like. Right. Yeah, is all resistance movements, all revolutions uh, in the real world are comprised of people with incredibly different views on what to do and what they're yep. willing to, That's you know, true. what lengths they're willing to go to. And you know, Tifa has hers jesse has hers biggs and wedge have theirs barrett has his cloud even like when there's that whole scene with tifa and cloud like stopping basically a snitch from going to go snitch on them to um right uh shinra and cloud's like we should kill these motherfuckers like yeah. cloud is <laughs> repeatedly uh saying like well i'm only in this for the money but at the same time he's like like just becoming radicalized by uh his contact with uh barrett at this point and he's just like no like this is how this works like this is we, we need to do this and then tifa's like no let's not and because he's soft for tifa he doesn't do it and just leaves but right. but they have differing opinions on how things are supposed to work yeah um story-wise I'll, I'll i'll say this so the the uh <sighs> How do I how do I do this? Uh, so I think I know what you're trying to talk about. Well, there there there's a lot of stuff. So there are there are elements toward the end of the game mm. uh, where if you're following the original, basically you're uh, going to Shinra headquarters to basically like you know uh, rescue Aerith from a situation and kind of confront this this big corporate entity before you basically are thrust out of midgar and you have to explore the rest of the world okay yeah so you you more or less follow that path but then something um pretty drastically different happens and you're still left with this moment where you're about to venture out of midgar and so whatever comes next 
is probably outside of Midgar, and it probably follows more or less the blueprint that that original fans expected. Uh, but without getting into specifics, because I do think doing a spoiler cast on this would be a blast, because yeah. getting into it would be really interesting. I am very suddenly worried <laughs> about the Kingdom Hearts-ing of this franchise. Mm. And I won't really go into it at all beyond that. But I will say that there is... I, I, you would never accuse a Final Fantasy game of having a tight narrative, would you, Steven? Oh, uh... No? Okay. I'm trying to think if there's literally even a spinoff that I can think of okay. that had a tight but, narrative, but, but no. But here's what I would say. Compared to Kingdom Hearts... Oh, yeah! Airtight. Compared yeah. to Kingdom Hearts, it is airtight. There is There are, there are plot holes, fine, in Final Fantasy games... There are uh, unresolved threads. There are uh, there there are issues with kind of like character motivation, things like that. But you typically have um, a villain. You you have a cataclysmic event, and you have basically the 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 gang to stop it. And what Final Fantasy VII Remake does to its overarching kind of meta narrative. Um, really probably drastically changes a lot of how the next few <laughs> chapters of this are going to play out. I, and, and that's wild to me that they decided to do this. I, it's interesting, but how they have changed the end game of this may, just immediately made me go, not, not King, like you don't need to Kingdom Hearts this thing. You so really I don't. have... I have a theory that I have been holding on to for, like, literal years. Okay. Since, like, a long time. I'm not going to say it here, because if it turns okay. out to be right, I don't want to spoil everything. Uh, I have nothing to support this, but after we finish this podcast, I'm going to tell you my theory, yeah, and I want don't. to hear if it is the thing that I think it is. But, yeah, we can uh, we can get to that later. We can maybe talk about that on the spoiler wild, cast. It's, yeah. it's wild, though. I mean, there, there are elements they, they introduce early on that you... Or at least I. Uh, there are elements early on that I assumed were an existing part of the canon, but they were just yeah. kind of re-visualized and re-stylized. And as you get later and later into the game, you realize that um, it's kind of a completely new, a new narrative element. And yeah. and you you know you kind of wrestle with the. You wrestle with the existence of it based on you know what you already know about the series and what you already know about the franchise and the overall narrative that that stretches well beyond this Midgar section of the game. And you kind of wrestle with that, and then uh, you you have the prestige, if you will, the the reveal of what this narrative element actually does uh, in in the grand scheme of things, and it does turn a lot of stuff on its head and. Um, does that make my does it make me interested yes do i think they can uh thread a specific needle um without kind of making me lose my mind yeah uh, i don't i don't know i don't know about that yet because i'm not a kingdom hearts fan i don't think i've ever actually said that out loud on a podcast or anything or even on twitter as i'm very very afraid of of the kingdom hearts people but but the kingdom hearts narrative makes no sense to me it makes it 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 doesn't even attempt to it doesn't even attempt to tell a story that makes some sort of traditional sense and in that regard there's almost something like 
interesting about it. What I have less patience for are people trying to tell me it makes sense when it doesn't to me. I'm okay with this kind of like overarching thing of being this like wild, just like never ending cycle of just like uh, archetypes and weird like threads that don't ever really get, you know, uh, tied up and stuff like that. If you just admit that that's what it is, I'm cool with that. But Final Fantasy VII typically has a very clear kind of structure. And this kind of takes it into a direction where uh, I am concerned. And so I don't know if, it, I? Aff- I don't know if, it, if it affects my overall view of this game because I highly recommend it. If you take anything from this podcast, know that whether you're returning or brand new, I think you should play this game. Right. Uh, but... I, it, that was one of those moments where I I was kind of like, oh boy, okay, huh? And I don't know where they're going to go with it. That's exciting, but I'm also concerned. What were you going to say? Can I tell you why I am not as worried about the specific thing? Like this could go bad in a million different ways, even right. though this first part seems like it's pretty strong. Yeah, but I'm not af- as afraid of it getting Kingdom Heartsified as I think maybe you are. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I think one of the problems when we don't have to litigate everything about Kingdom Hearts, I promise no, this course, is relevant. Right. Um, the thing about Kingdom Hearts, and this is also a Tetsuya Nomura project, is I think the the reason why it is relevant. Yeah. Um, a lo- King- I'll say this: a lot of shared resources. I, I oh, did. Yeah. I did. I did look into this this morning. I was like, oh, okay. Like, let me let me look up how many shared resources there are. Like story director story designer of the remake like were directly related to kingdom hearts 3 specifically so like that's kind of where i i went on this but go ahead so the thing that i think protects this a little bit from being from the worst elements of kingdom hearts the the stuff that i think most people don't like about those games i think there's also plenty to like plenty to like about those there is i I don't yeah i I, that ah yeah i hate yeah i hate i don't 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 want to i don't want to yuck people's yum but it's like uh for it just doesn't work for me but like i definitely get why folks like it i do but but I think the, the the things that even people who like those games, I think where a lot of that stuff starts to break down is that Kingdom Hearts is basically this giant blank canvas for Tetsuya Nomura to paint his philosophical views on like metaphysics and the world and yep. spirituality and stuff like that. And that's why the, the, so many of those things never really like tie into real plot or anything like that. It's just every different spinoff is just like his ability to like expand on some other thing. And then one of the things that you end up finding out is that Nomura actually has some like really bad opinions about things, especially <laughs> women and their agency yeah. in the world. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> the thing is, I don't think that Final Fantasy, period, but also Final Fantasy 7 in particular, is going to be that same level of blank slate. I think right. you'll see... I think you'll see a lot of Nomura-isms in the right. way that we tell this story or that this story is told over time. But yeah. I don't think it's going to go in those same directions because I don't think there is a, the room for it to happen in that same exact way. I think it's just going yeah. to be a lot of that flair applied to an existing framework, which is going to probably make for a stronger product overall. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. that. I mean... you know. The, the other thing I would say is that I, I might also be pulling from Kingdom Hearts prematurely because another thing I might be kind of railing against is all the expanded stuff from Final Fantasy VII, like Advent Children and Crisis Core and uh, Dirge of Cerberus and stuff like that. I, none of that was really my jam. I, yeah. I thought I thought Crisis Core was okay. Crisis um, Core is pretty cool, yeah. It, yeah, I, I, I definitely had fun with that, but like... Um, 
it, it's not my favorite stuff. It expanded the overall kind of branching narrative of the game in a way that um, worked about, I don't know, for me, it worked about 30% of the time and the rest of the time it was just kind of overcomplicating stuff that I, I had a pretty good handle on, you know yeah, what I mean? Uh-huh, like, I, totally. I, I think like, you know, we can talk about narrative design forever, but it's like, if something is clear and wrapped up, it can be clear and wrapped up. It's fine. Like it, you don't have to, um, you don't have to professional wrestling everything. Like it doesn't right. have to be this like never ending loop of, yes, this happened, but now this has happened. And, and, it undoes this and you know it, you just don't have to do that and that was a lot of that expanded series to me things that felt uh properly litigated to, to use a term that you used earlier which i think is good uh that was properly figured out and kind of turning it on its head um i think that might be the other part is that this some of the choices made especially in the end game of the remake uh did what I was worried about, which was saying, like, hey, all the stuff that you thought maybe we were leaving behind, nah, we're not. Like, it's all pretty important. So, um, I don't know. Take that how you will. We'll, okay. we'll do a spoiler cast because there's a ton of, like, really specific stuff that I want to talk about, especially, yeah. like, in the sense of, like, how many of these uh, games are going to be. Like, I yeah. I thought I had, a, after I got through about 80% of this game, I thought I had a pretty good hand handle on like how many of these games there would be i thought there would be like four maybe five and now i'm not sure I, i'm kind <laughs> of in an all bets are off situation um and i'm like are they even work like where are they like this is the, i mean it's good it's good that they're getting getting us to think about this stuff where are they in the rest of it i i'm so blown away that this thing is so big and so involved and suggests so much more. And I have zero idea of when this next thing is going to be out. Yo, oh, I think none of us do because it's, again, a Nomura <laughs> project who Nomura is basically just <laughs> constantly allowed to just work, work funnel forever. money into a furnace. Yeah, uh-huh. And yeah. <laughs> eventually they'll take a project away from him, uh, Final Fantasy XIII versus, uh, but... Yeah, not until 17 years later, and then uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 was the same exact boat, and it's such a weird thing, because they have such good people who can close a project over there, and they just don't seem to ever put them on Final Fantasy. I know. <laughs> or not the main... I mean, 14 I is obviously a mainline game, it's a numbered game, and Naoki Yoshida... It's a different animal, uh, for sure. And even that one started off with like a really bad, bloated, like kind of um, terrible vision of what games should be at that time, yeah. and they had to bring in a fixer to come do it. And it feels like so many, so much of the time. I think Final Fantasy fifteen eventually got to a good place, but remember how many expansions un- and well, it's unfinished. I mean, is they, it they still? Did, well, yeah, they didn't do the that uh, they, they have oh. Been. One of the last expansions that they just yeah. they can't. I mean, like I know it is mostly finished. Like it does tell a the, the main story, plot of that game is finished. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But but it's like you know that that's the big thing I'm worried about is they have projects that I mean even, this was only five years I think from really they had talked about doing it forever but they really only started development on it like five years ago. Right. And for they did that Square, demo for PlayStation Three, remember that? Right. Yeah, I do. Uh, like a tech demo. It was ages ago. Um, five years is not long for Square. Like for no. Square, that's not long. 
um, for almost every other AAA development studio. That's a that's a pretty long gestation. But like, uh, you know, my curiosity is if it's five years between all of these. Um, yeah, I don't know. We can, we can talk about it in the spoiler cast, but like, I I have big big questions about where this is going to end up. Um, I my main hope, and this is something we talked about in our preview podcast from the demo. I would really hope that a lot of the framework done here will allow them to just expand on this as a platform and treat this as a platform rather than like right. one chunk of a thing that right. like exists on an island. Yeah. Uh, hopefully uh, we'll see new smart. story updates as like DLC or something like that. Like, right. yeah, totally. Yeah, that would be smart. Um, let me think of some other notes here. Uh, the music, uh, I was I was pretty concerned about going into it because I, I I really liked all of uh, Nobuo Uematsu's, Uematsu's uh really you know synthy uh kind of like cyberpunk lounge uh yeah. compositions from the original and i was i was kind of worried if like full orchestral versions of these songs would be too kind of like swelling and like you know tinkly piano yeah if it would be too much of that and i think for the most part it's pretty successful what they've done with the uh compositions and even some of the new compositions are pretty nice so yeah um no complaints uh, I, about the music so far. Yeah, music is nice. Uh, like you said, the graphics are, are gorgeous. I mean, it's a really beautiful game. Um, yeah, I, it's it is a very good game. I, I, I definitely have. Um, <laughs> to me, the battle system is going to be one of those things that I think if they don't seriously look at ways of making it much more of its own thing that doesn't yeah. have to stand uh shoulder to shoulder with the original like if they really really make this its own thing i think it has a chance in its next iteration to be more interesting um or just give me more interesting stuff to do with it outside of the yeah. main game you know yep yeah um if they really really do that then i think i'm i'm very excited about later entries in this i think this game has hiccups. It's got some narrative beats that don't really work. It's still has some, um, still has some narrative issues. Still has some pacing issues. I think it does have some pacing issues. It gets a little long in the tooth in in a couple of sequences. Um, it, it's it's not a perfect game, but uh, it, it is. It is every bit the attempt at being like the next major kind of narrative experience for JRPG fans to really sink their teeth into. And it's it's a big game. It is full of content. There is a lot of stuff in like subsystems. There's a lot of materia. There are a lot of side quests that allow you to basically do a lot of like uh, like performance capture essentially of your own battles and give that data to right. a scientist to make materia there's like <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that like really expands upon uh the systems of the original and makes it a kind of a meteor gameplay experience and i think i think those are mostly successful yeah yeah so far so, i'm i'm enjoying yep. it as well um i'll have more thoughts on it i'm sure once we get closer to a spoiler cast i'm also yeah. it's such a weird spot to be in with this game right now because i'm playing a like a game that goes all the way action with a lot of its concepts that feels very similar in some ways or at least feels like it inspired 
uh, Final Fantasy, right. which is Monster Hunter, Monster yeah. Hunter World. And yeah. at the same time, I'm playing Persona 5 Royal, which is a game that goes all the way hard into just like making turn the most based. interesting turn-based combat it possibly can. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> yeah, there, there's no way they step back to me into oh, yeah. Persona 5 territory. But I did, I did sit here you know, from through a lot of my playthrough thinking, ah, man, Persona 5 Royal is good, huh? Yeah, like, I feel sure like <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I did sit here thinking about kind of missing that. And, and to your point, like I've never gotten that into Monster Hunter World as much as you. Uh, no one could as much as you. So that's not, that's <laughs> yeah. not a bar. That's not a bar I could crest. But like, I, I, I think making a choice, you either go in one direction or another and just, yeah. just live with it because the the hybrid seems interesting and when it works it really works but it there are too many moments where i feel like the systems are maybe clashing and that would be my biggest criticism with the game um well and, and that was like i don't know uh, uh, there's obviously a, probably a lot of factors that go into it but it just feels like the cost benefit of going for this hybrid thing where like they spend mm. 15 years making kingdom hearts three and then like right. the hybrid that they come up with is like mm, it's fine it's and then fine. they spend 15 years making final fantasy 15 and it's like mm, it's fine it's i fine. get like yeah and it's just like these other games i mean persona 5 had its share of delays don't get me fucking wrong right but it was not final fantasy 15 delays uh and it's pretty damn good like it's really good at the thing that it does and yeah. i don't I don't know if the return on investment is worth it all the time. As much as I think that this is a good game, I like in terms of if I had been sitting there and hoping and praying for this thing to be like perfect for the last like five straight years or even longer than that, if I was a crazy person, yeah. um, I don't know that this, I don't know that I would be having as good of a time as I am now, which is going in with very few expectations. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I even, I, I thought I was in the camp of someone that was just like, I can't sleep, eat, or like live without thinking about this game. Like, there, <laughs> there was a time in which I did feel like, you know, it's one of those big, 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 big like releases that I always look forward to. I do that dumb game where I'm like, if I could just stay alive until this game comes out, <laughs> like, I do that. I do that like more often than I would like to admit. But it's like with big things I want to play, like I I play this dumb game in my head where i'm just like okay john just stay alive for this thing you know and, mm-hmm. I, and then I, I get there and it's like i thought i was going to be in that camp but i'm i'm noticing that there are pockets of folks that are much more invested in this than even i am and yeah. i am very curious about what they're going to think about this game after 15 hours because in the first in the first two hours i think this game makes a very strong first impression yeah 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 like a very strong pers- first impression. In fact, it is such a great uh, thing that they packaged into a demo, and it makes sense because it's the very beginning of the game. But it does really present, I think, a really good mix of like a kinetic like story and a lot of the good action. And the scorpion boss fight is, I think, pretty good. Like yeah. that's a that's a good first impression. Not everything holds up to that scrutiny in this game. Like I I think there are definitely uh gaps in like the care that was given to how these things kind of sing together um uh, and there's, the not, NPCs there's not always you... a ton of harmony what i was just gonna say some of the and like you know a really basic example of that i feel like is that 
some of as good as this game looks most of the time some of the npcs that you meet for some of those side quests uh, oh my god i uh, just look <laughs> i don't know they look like gta 4 they do yeah bystanders sometimes yeah, and yeah, they like do. oh they boy like- the camera the camera was not meant to be this close on your face ever was it they look uh, like, but here you they are look like the crowd in like nba 2k20 or something <laughs> they just they just yeah they don't look great i mean the the thing i'll give them is um yeah, the, the thing that they mentioned a few weeks ago before it came out was like, hey, this game is so big because they didn't really recycle assets. And there are a lot of NPCs that get recycled, but like not to the degree that like a lot of games do. Like no, yeah. just, just visually, a lot of environmental and NPC stuff is at least diverse in a way that mm. that I, I was like, ah, all right. Like if you're gonna do this with this kind of budget, I get it. I get it. Like I like I think that's cool. Like making everything look pretty distinct um and yeah i i it's a good looking game yeah the camera was not the camera was not meant to get close to a lot of these npcs yeah you're right and 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 you say you say the environments are distinct and i think this is something easy to get jaded about in our in our lives this is gonna be a positive um yeah i was gonna say like distinct within itself but also like i can't think of basically any other big budget triple a game that like has this kind of aesthetic how many how many games do we play that are modern military or like kind of post-apocalyptic society or whatever this isn't post-apocalyptic it's not no it's it's high fantasy it's not high sci-fi it's not steampunk it's like it's its own weird sort of diesel punk magic you know people people mix up uh post-apocalyptic with dystopian like they they say dystopian when they mean post-apocalyptic but but like this is dystopian in the sense that like it is a fully functioning society that is actively oppressing its its lowest classes and the mix of aesthetics because you go to the upper plate a couple times to like explore what's going on there yeah i think what's really interesting is that like yes things are better up here clearly but like the systems at work that create these kind of capitalistic like gaps in wealth not to get way too fucking political at the very end of this podcast but like are things even really that good for the middle class no yeah like like that's kind of the that's kind of the aesthetics that they actually put a lot of effort into of like Actually, things aren't that great for these folks either. Honestly, they think it. They think it's good. They think it's good because they have it so much better than the folks on the lower plate. But right. is it that good? They'll Which never is, be in the tower. They'll never right. be in the tower. They tell and themselves they'll be in the tower, but they'll never get there. Exactly. That's real life. It's it's that's the, real. Like it's it's a real kind of thing. It's the upper middle class like choosing to like being too afraid of the five people above them to fight uh, like to unite with the people with a million people below them too afraid of losing what little shred of dignity they have so that they're more willing to oppress the larger masses instead and that's just how and i'm actually kind of a very again we we like this is kind of retreading old ground because we talked about that shinra middle manager centrist thing but i'm actually kind of surprised by how nuanced the game is about understanding that that is what oppression looks like in a like neoliberal centrist society it's not just the cops and it is that but it's not it's not city 17 right right it's not like the combine is here and just beating up literally everyone it is it's not it's not like that at all it's a top down basically left alone like they really are 
but they're left alone in every sense of the word. It's like, yeah, like there's, there's no help. Like there's no help. There's no, there's no hope. There's no, there's uh, no safety net. There's no there's social no services. Net. There's nothing. It's just, but, it, it's just, it's just the folks in this one completely massive corporation that run everything and don't give a shit about anything else. That's it. Yeah. And I'll tell, I'll, I'll, I'll part with one anecdote and then we can wrap up, but like, sure. uh, um, I don't think you've gotten to this point yet, but you, but you eventually are con- confronted by Jesse who says, Hey, I've, I have to go on a mission and, and this doesn't happen in the original game and cloud is like, uh, okay, what's going on? And you meet up with wigs, wigs, big mm-hmm. wedge. I did that same thing today. <laughs> Biggs wedge wedge and, uh, <laughs> did it again. Uh, you meet up with the rest of the crew besides like Barrett and Tifa, they, they get left behind. And you basically go to the upper plate to see Jesse's parents. Mm. And you're like, Jesse's like, I want to see my parents. And and you you were really going there to do a reconnaissance mission of a nearby warehouse to get some blasting agent. But like, she's like, I need to get a key card from my dad's uh, jumpsuit because he used to work at the factory where we're about to go. But I do need to visit my parents. I haven't been there in a while. So they're on the upper plate. Cloud sneaks into the house through a window uh, while Jesse and the rest are basically like talking to her mom. And you can hear her mom. She's going, are you going out for any auditions? Has no idea what Jesse does. Right. Are you going for auditions? Like, are you still acting? Are you, uh, you know, being a stagehand at the theater near here would be better than whatever you're trying to do with a golden saucer. You're, you're getting this sense that Jesse is just lying to her parents about what she's doing because that's just the convenient thing to do. You sneak in through a window. Jesse's dad is like gravely ill in bed, sick because he got into an accident at the Shinra factory. While he's unconscious, you have to dig through his pockets and pull out a thing. And it's just this really wild thing of Jesse's mom trying to get her to move back closer to home. Like, it's fine. She's not even mad about Shinra doing this to her father. It just seems to be the way that things are. Like, it's just right. this This is life. And they cannot kind of, imagine a better world, which no, is like the number one tool of, of like centrist oppression. Right. They just can't do it. And like that moment was a uh, subtle. It, they don't beat you over the head with it, really. I mean, it, having a sick dad in bed is a pretty clear sign, but like. You, you, it just it was a moment that I don't think I really expected, and it did a lot of work toward explaining why Shinra is such a dangerous kind of enemy in this game that kind of sets it apart from, like you were saying, it's not like the Combine or uh, these other kind of oppressive regimes that are more active in their role. It's more of this kind of like willful ignorance about what they're doing to the planet and the people around them. Mm-hmm. And it's it's actually pretty interesting, and it and it feels um, oh I would say pretty uh, relevant for our time. Oh, weird, um, yeah. And and it's it's you know really you get you get back to the overall themes of the original game, and they're still here. And if that game was frankly way ahead of its time in the sense of like trying to you know show us a world where you know God, can you believe it? No one believes anyone when they say that climate change is real and this kind of willful ignorance about what to do about it is going to probably kill us all eventually. And you know, like that, I didn't care about that in 1997, but I sure as hell care about it in 2020. So it's, 
it's a pretty relevant experience. So, anyway, cool. I, I, it's a cool game. I play yeah, it. I think it's 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 every bit the AAA blockbuster that like I wasn't sure it was going to be. Like it it really 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 is a major release, a major overhaul of one of the most important games uh, of all time, and 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 it's uh. It's definitely going to start a lot of conversations amongst uh, first timers and folks who are returning. So sure. I'm uh, looking forward to not only doing a spoiler cast, but I definitely want to get together with some folks next week to uh, uh, discuss like first timers who have like never played a Final Fantasy getting into this, like Nikki and a couple other folks who write for us. Um, I really want to see what they have to say about this because I think it's uh, uh, a new generation getting into Final Fantasy is, is very interesting to me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that's a pretty good place to stop it here, though. We yeah. have gone on. Uh, we, have gone, us... we have gone on. This is a long one, but uh, thanks oh, for yeah, I mean, talking Yeah, it was me. worth it, I think. Yeah, yeah me uh, too. Fantastic conversation here. I am going to probably throw a spoiler warning on the front of this one, um, particularly for the... Um, anybody hearing this will hear the spoiler warning at this point, but um, particularly for that last little bit there. But I think that was important to touch on to kind yeah. of give context to what this game does so well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, thanks, John, for playing through the game so yeah. fucking fast for <laughs> as much as you could. Uh, uh, yeah, it's yeah, uh, yeah, it's wild. We're we're uh, still cranking out guides and stuff. I uh, that's that's the one part I wish I'd been faster on. But like, we're uh, there's a lot of stuff to to unpack in that game. So keep checking back the site. We'll have a lot of stuff up. Uh, not only about battle systems, but things like Moogle medals and yeah. stuff that just straight up was not in the original game that you're probably wondering, God, should I be keeping track of this? Uh, they make things pretty clear when you can start to keep track of them, essentially. So, But yeah. we'll have a lot of guides and, and stuff like that. So, and, and more podcasts, I think. I think this is definitely a conversation starter. And I bet we'll probably have some other written stuff on the site at some point, too. You, Hell you, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be... This is going to be a thing that people talk about for a while. Yep. But I think we're going to be done talking about it on this podcast for now. Thanks, everybody, for listening to another one of our reviews. You can, of course, listen to Fan Whip every Tuesday, and you love to see it every Tuesday on, or every Thursday on this same channel. We'll also have more review podcasts on here. But if you want to hear all of our podcasts that we have at fanbyte.com, you can go to fanbyte.com slash podcasts, which has uh, access to all three of our main feeds, which are the fan with one that you are listening to right now, fanbyte FM, which is where we put a lot of our smaller, more experimental stuff, uh, more specific stuff. And then you can go to fanfight, which is where we have a lot of our sports focused stuff and wrestling focused stuff, including the flagship fanfight podcast, which is fanfight. And that is LB Hunk Tears, the wrestling editor here for fanby.com, and Danielle Riendo, editor-in-chief, talking about MMA and wrestling, which, is, let me tell you, is getting pretty buck wild over there with the way that <laughs> MMA and wrestling have gone recently. Yeah. Uh, so they're, they're the only two industries on Earth who are just kind of denying that there's a pandemic going on, it feels like. So. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh it's a very weird thing but you can also just go to fanbyte.com in general to uh read all of our good good stuff we have uh, some really great written features there every day posted by one Merritt k who does a bunch of editing for our fantastic pool of freelancers i also do some of that from here and you know here and there too we have some really good yeah, uh, give yourself some credit there you're, yeah, you're, you're very cool. active in that space can you hear that that's me patting myself on the back <laughs> is the mic picking that up i'm not sure um yeah and then you can go to twitch.tv slash 
fan bite to watch all of the streams that we've been doing. We've been doing a fucking lot of those lately too. Yeah, and it's been fun. yeah, it has been super fun. And finally, please rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever the hell it is that you listen to these podcasts. Because let me tell you, everything relies on algorithms and data and weird stuff that we don't have any control over. But you have control over that stuff, and you can make us more popular by sharing us with the world by giving us a rate and a review and you can you know you can rate us whatever you like but uh you should probably do a five star because i know that you love conversations like these and if you want to hear more of them that's the best way to prove it john i think we're done here thank you so much once more thank you thank you for leading such a good discussion yeah uh we will be back when we're back (laughs) we'll be back with whatever it is we do next we we post these at odd times so (laughs) goodbye Bye!